Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I talk with YouTube personality Alex Stein. That conversation is coming up. But first, let me tell you about Curtis King. He was a man who, at the age of 80, decided that he would join the Union Army and go off and fight in the American Civil War. To put his age into perspective, Curtis King was born in Virginia during the Revolutionary War. He was turned down a couple of times during the Civil War, but eventually was accepted into what was known as the Graybeard Regiment, comprised only of men from Iowa who were over the age of 45. King was the oldest by a wide margin. However, his superiors found him to be as hardy and as energetic as men less than half his age. This unique American hero was discovered by Dave Matthews, the guy who runs American Pride Roasters Coffee. He found out about Curtis King through an unassuming historical marker, a sign in the middle of Iowa. And Dave took the time to stop and read the sign. And now it's time for you to stop and smell the coffee and enjoy it. The APR Curtis King Blend is a specific brew of smooth, full city roasted Ethiopian beans fused with bold, sweet French roasted Sumatran beans to give it a unique flavor that only APR coffee can deliver. Americans like Curtis King are honored through APR Coffee. It's a unique blend for a unique hero. Curtis King. Try the blend for yourself over at APRCoffee.com today. And don't forget promo code ATM at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off your entire purchase. That's the new Curtis King blend at APRCoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. This week, I sat down with Alex Stein, who made his mark showing up at city council meetings and, uh, well, shocking those in attendance, quite frankly. But he's done so much more, and he sat down and talked about all of it with me right here on this edition of At The Mic. Joined here today in studio with Alex Stein. I'm sorry. Hold on. Not Alex Stein. It's not just that. It's Alex Stein 99. It's primetime 99, Alex Stein, Keith. Uh, that's the proper wow. presentation. And listen, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here this morning. I know that Are I... Are you? Well, I am. I mean, I got up early. It's just I'm really annoyed because we were already talking about it. there's a little traffic, you know, issue. Uh-huh. And that's the that's what's annoying is, you know, we pay a lot of taxes. The streets should be open. And they did not have an alternative route that would oh, save no. me any time. I know. I know. And... I was complaining too because the roads are being worked on, which is fine because I guess we got to fix potholes. But now <laughs> there's all this tar on my car because I'm trying oh, to go over no. the curb. Yeah, so it's like I think I might have ruined my uh, Toyota 4Runner just trying to get here, but it's okay. No. It's worth it. I'm here at the Blaze. I'm here right. with you. Okay, it's worth it. So yeah, and you were telling me off air that you literally had, and I believe this because you told me where you were. 0.2 miles you had to go, and the route you had to take was actually how long? It was a bit like literally added about five or six miles because I had to go all the way around oh. Love Field Airport. It's just such a pain. And now and these gas know. prices, dude, these gas prices are so expensive. I can't afford this. I can't afford it, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Alex, mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming down here and making time. You're, you're, you've been on practically every other show here in the building. Uh, we love you here. And by the time this episode of At The Mic posts, you're probably going to be living somewhere else completely uh, because your star is absolutely taking off. It Tell everybody how this all started because now, because here's what I think. And if I'm wrong, please correct the story. 
I first became aware of you at Dallas City Council meetings. Mm -hmm. I've seen you at Plano City Council meetings. Mm -hmm. You take full advantage of the two minutes or whatever they give you three, at the podium. Yes, three yes. minutes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, you'll have more than the three minutes that you're allotted at these meetings to answer these questions today. Okay. So, so you have all the time you need here. So is that where it started for you? Well, no, I mean, honestly, okay, so for me, because I guess this shows you're getting to know me, so my name's Alex Stein, and I graduated from LSU in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the year of 2010, so mm -hmm. not, not that long ago, but gosh, it is kind of that long ago, so <laughs> I immediately didn't have, you know, I, I got a, a degree in general studies, right, so that means I got a minor in sociology, a minor in business, and a minor in communications, it's like the easiest degree to get, I walked into the <laughs> council, I was like, what's the easiest, they're like, oh, we have this thing called the general studies, where you get three minors, and we, the, the one thing <laughs> is you had to have over 2.5 GPA. Oh no. And my last semester I had a 2.4, so I had to take an extra easy no. class just to get it up to a 2.6 like class I had to get an A in because I was like taking some hard business classes my last year, you know, hard for me like, you know, finance 3715 which is mm. like whatever. But listen, so I graduated by the skin of my teeth. I mean, literally it was a pain in my derriere. <laughs> I, I graduate, I don't don't have a job. I decided to move to Los Angeles, California. You know, the now city. where are you from originally? Because Dallas, Texas, born okay, and raised because, here. Okay, because because I sent out the email with the questions, and we reference it a lot on the show. I didn't get yours back, so I'm just going to be asking you these cold and learning right along with the audience. So you're from Dallas. Why did you choose LSU to begin with? Okay, so my freshman year, I went to the University of South Florida and I played football. So that and I that was kind of my biggest mistake. I should have played football at a small school, and mm. I got my butt kicked. I played on the scout team. I just got crushed. Oh, what position? I put well. I was really a defensive end, but they recruited me to play offensive line, and basically, I was just kind of like a big six foot four white guy. <laughs> that wanted they wanted me to be like 300 pounds and play offensive line. So I played some guard, but I was on the scout team a lot because uh -huh. your freshman year I wasn't going to get on the field. Right. So I was always playing scout team tight end or scout team tackle or scout team center, whatever they needed me for the scout team. And dude, I just got beat up every day. How and so the, long did it take your body to recover after each? I'm probably not. I mean, my brain. I probably still have serious <laughs> damage in my brain. So I don't know if you can recover from that. I probably got CTE a little bit, which is okay. Um, everybody says UCF, but it's USF, and it's actually a Division One. Program. Yeah, the Bulls, man. Yeah, the Bulls. Yeah, they're okay. And uh, so I leave there, and all my friends were such idiots. The reason why a lot of my friends went to LSU is because when we went on college visits, LSU, our fake IDs work the best at LSU. So we made a really terrible... <laughs> and LSU is kind of hard to get into. I mean, it wasn't hard to get into, but it was like harder than Ole Miss. It was harder than Alabama. It was harder mm. than a lot of those other schools. So I guess in our minds, we're like, oh, this is a good school. It's not. It's not a great school. It's like, <laughs> oh, no. no, it's really not. Oh, it's, no. it's just a bunch of, like, Cajuns, which is cool. I like Cajuns. But it's just like, um, the, you know, Louisiana, the movie The Waterboy is like a documentary. If you watch that oh, movie, no. no, it is like that. Seriously, that's what Louisiana's <laughs> like. Just That's the exact documentary. And all right, my buddies right. in Louisiana get mad. But it kind of <laughs> is really like that. Yeah. Um, is Baton Rouge a nice place? Oh, no. no, it's exactly <laughs> no, it's exactly like The Waterboy. It's okay, not, so not, there's nothing no, redeeming about... No, I mean, it's redeeming because you can drink as a 19-year-old very easily. Oh, yeah, and okay. like there's great food. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Louisiana has the best food. I'm talking about crawfish etouffee. Mm. I I mean, you know, you talk about the boudin, you talk about the po' boys. I mean, yes, when you talk about food culture, mm -hmm. it has great... And alcohol and food culture, top notch. Yeah. 
driving on the streets, crime. Uh, um, I mean, we always education. had education. Education, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I just had all kinds of goofball teachers. And that's somebody, if a young person's listening to this and you're in college, if you just show up to class, you'll pass. I know mm-hmm. that's a little secret. I didn't really learn that till about my second year at LSU because <laughs> not that I got a bunch of Fs, but I think I got one F in my college career because a teacher failed me because I didn't go to the class enough, even though, like, I uh, oh, did a, okay. a lot of the – see, this is the thing at LSU – because it's a state school and you you know people have lives the, most of the classes literally most of the classes were take four tests and drop the whatever your lowest score and then take the average of three so it's really not that hard so you can kind of cram for those four tests and you can pass you know the majority of your classes at LSU so that shows you what kind of education it is it's a public school education in uh-huh. Louisiana it's not it's not that great so I graduate there. Okay. I don't have any job prospects, and I go to uh, the City of Angels, Los Angeles, and I move to like the. I mean, dude, when I just t- on a whim. Well, I mean, I wanted. To, I mean, I, I I had done stand up in college, and like, okay. and I'd acted a little, you know. I, I, I got mean, you. I got you. So you thought, hey, there might be a future for me in L.A. And of course, yeah. And everybody kind of dreams of L.A. And I know now people still go there, but this is like before like the TikTok craze, and this mm-hmm. is like when YouTube was a thing, but it was like not what it was today. And I remember going out there and creating YouTube videos and stuff. But I went to L.A. and uh, I got a job, my first job, and everybody should go do this or try this. I went and got a job at Central Casting. And because even though now I'm a little older, I still look kind of young. I got all these roles, what they call 18 to look younger. They need people over 18, but need to play like high school students. Because if they use young kids, they have all these SAG rules where they can only work six hours, this and that. That's why that is. Yeah, so if you're over 18 and you look young enough, like I was on Spider-Man. I mean, I was like a featured extra in, you know, Spider-Man, the one with with Andrew Garfield. I was in The Office. I mean, I was in, uh, you know, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I I mean, there's, I mean, literally a hundred shows and so many commercials. This is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really cool. It was really cool. And then uh, then I got on uh, some TV shows. I got on like this dating show with Elijah Schlesinger called Excuse. That was like my first first like TV show. I was like, wow, wow, this is kind of cool. And then, so now all these reality TV producers picked me up and then I got on this show called The Glass House and it was on ABC and what it was, it was like a Big Brother knockoff. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I was on that and that's like when I first, I was 25 and that was my first time going viral. But I got kicked off the show. The producers totally, I mean, I screwed myself because I didn't know how to act, but they were like, (laughs) Alex, you should be the villain. I was like, yeah, I would love to be the villain. That'd be cool. And I didn't watch enough reality TV show. Everybody else on the show was like, oh, I'm a reality TV fan. I love Big Brother. Just, I'm not hating on that. I like reality TV, right. but I didn't understand a lot of the, like the schemes and scenarios. Kind of backstab, stuff like kinda, that. I didn't know like how to really be a cunning villain. In my mind, I was like, oh, you guys want me to be the villain? So I just kind of walked around like this girl. We, we, it was like 12 people living in a house with one. There's two toilets, but one bathroom in the toilet, like kind of like a rat house, like a dorm room or something. And this one girl's like giving me grief because I walked around in like women's panties to try to be like edgy or be funny. <laughs> and I did, yeah. That was like one of the first nights there. And, oh no! And, and, so, and that like made this cop all mad, and people were just kind of. Some people loved it. Some people were mad. But this girl, she was always going number two, and just. Well, I mean, she didn't always go number two, but every time she went number two, she would spray this orange scent. I mean, I can still smell this orange scent. You know, to cover it up. And so, I mean, you'd walk in the bathroom and just smell like orange scented. Poop. I mean, and and uh, and so like one of the days we got in an argument. I'm like, shut up, Erica. And I'm friends with this girl now. I'm like, every time you go in the bathroom, it smells like orange scented crap. It's like, well, how much are you eating? Like, you know, I was really mean. I was uh-huh. really, really mean. And I went after everybody's insecurities. Like, I didn't know. And there was this girl who was I was, I was kind of friends with on the show, Joy. She's like, Alex, you're too mean. She was like an ex Playboy playmate. I was like, you show your for a living. Like, I really could give. And I was like vicious. And um, this show did not like that. So like. After the second episode, 
it kicked me off. And then the ratings plummeted, mm. and they asked me to come back on the show. Oh. But but this is what sucks. Because I was kicked off that way, and they write, like, when you sign the uh, terms of service, or whatever you want to call it, your contract, it is a game, even though they the producers can manipulate it. You know, there's somewhere in this says, like, if you get eliminated from the game, you can't come back and play to win, you know? So they brought me in just to, like, scare the house guests. And I was like, this is stupid if I can't win the $250,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I was on another episode and left. And that was kind of my first viral moment. Like, a bunch of TV, uh, a bunch of, like, websites picked it up. Like, someone new to hate. Alex Stein. It's like, this oh, is a new... Nice. Yeah, and they, 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 they rated me the worst villain. Not not in a good way, but, like, like <laughs> the worst. You know, like, the, the, the least effective villain. Oh. Um, and so I did that, and then um, I got noticed by... When I, I guess I skipped this part. When I was in college, one semester, I was I uh, I'd gotten a little bit of trouble. I'd gotten a fist fight, and then they put me on probation. And then the LSU Ole Miss game, I got caught drinking at the game. I know it's, it is, I'm the only person to ever get suspended from LSU for a semester for alcohol. <laughs> and so this cop, you know, they they you know like pulled me out and they got my student ID. And then the, the like we fought it, but eventually I had to take off a semester at LSU and it was like my second to last semester before I graduated. So it was just a cluster, but it wasn't that big a deal because I was about to get out of there anyway. So I worked as as a production assistant on the TV show Cheaters. Keith, you ever watch that show? No. I think I'm familiar with it. Okay, so Cheaters is a show we go and we follow people and we like we yeah. confront them or their husbands uh-huh. or wives if they're cheating on them. Uh-huh. So I, I worked there as a production assistant like cleaning up the bathroom for the crew. I mean, it was really terrible. But I mean, I, I liked working there, but just my job It kept stung. you close to the action. Yes. So then- Maybe too close. A little too close because <laughs> like the camera, we had like editors that were there all the time, but then when you do the bus, we'd have a big crew come in and so it'd be like just 20 dudes just blowing up the toilet. So I was cleaning up <laughs> the toilet. Did they smell like- but but not, that's but orange yeah no they they didn't have the respect (laughs) to cover it up there okay so then um so then i freaking go to uh uh back to los angeles i get on some tv shows and then this show cheaters is all filmed in dallas keith and so one of the producers like oh yeah you know we can probably get you a job working at cheaters if you want so i started working there and i basically started off you know once again, I mean, I was higher up than a production assistant, but I basically started off kind of just like being like a liaison to the, you know, the clients, like the people that we booked, like make sure they get to the studio and whatnot. And then I stayed there for like eight years and I became a producer. So that's what I had been doing. And I also am in the car business. I was buying and selling cars because, you okay. know, cheaters, we work like six months of the year. You know, it's like we don't work. It's, it's not all year round. We shoot right. in seasons. But we'd get, you'd only have like three, four or five months in between, but you kind of had to have a second job. So I'd sell cars and I worked at cheaters. And then, dude, the, very sadly, I got really close with the host. His name was Clark Gable. He was actually the grandson of the famous Clark Gable. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Was Gone from Gone with the Wind, yeah. yeah. And uh, But Clark was actually a really, really awesome guy. He was one of my good friends. He was like, when I talk about like drug tolerance, he had like a huge drug tolerance. You know, he's like one of those party animal type guys. Mm. Like he's from California. You know, he, he just like drank a lot and partied and always smoking a cigarette. He's just kind of an edgy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have never thought this would happen to him. And I talk about this a lot today because it's, it really is a serious issue. He went, it was with his 19 month old baby and his wife and they gave him, or he went to go buy some pain medicine that he thought was like Vicodin or Oxycodone or, you know, something. And it was, it was pressed pills from a drug dealer that had fentanyl in it. And he, and he died. He took like just, and the reason why I bring up his tolerance is like, he didn't just, if he would have taken a, a lot, he still would be alive. Like what he took was like, you know, would kill a horse, you know, obviously he didn't know what he was taking. So he died and it was really sad. I was like, really, you know, all just really sad about it. it really messed me up. And this is, 
2018, I believe, or either 2018 or like the, right at the beginning of 2019 is when he passed away. And they were like, oh, Alex, you're going to be the next host. And then come around, you know, come to about 2020 when we're about to start filming. And in my mind, I was so sad about him. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll be the host of Cheaters. Just because I was, I'd was, i been there so long and I produced it. And I kind of I kind of look Clark and I look similar. And I, I could host Cheaters. I know the show, you mm-hmm. know, backwards and forwards. And I know exactly how to, you know. I just know how to confront the people. I, I would have been a great host. <laughs> yeah, hold on, time out. Yeah. Uh, he knows how to confront people. I, I, some of these videos uh, following around local officials, uh, they're just, they're extraordinary. Yeah, so I would have, I mean, I, I knew I would have crushed it, but then right when they were trying to film, I'm like getting ready. I was like, on oh, my diet. I was looking so good. I was like, oh man, I serious. I was really like- <laughs> You were ready the, to go. I was in the best shape of my life then because I was like super motivated to exercise. I was like, man, I'm finally going to get to host a show. Like it was owned by, you know, we're picked up by Viacom, so mm. it's on VH1. It's on MTV and it's syndicated in like 30 something countries because I love watching American trash TV. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, this is gonna be cool. Like, this, I'm gonna be like Clark. I'm gonna make, you know, six figures. This is gonna be a good gig. This is gonna be like life changing. Right. I mean, not that I wasn't making pretty good money actually producing, but this is just different. I, I, I'm a creative sure, type. Sure. So, right when the show's about to happen, like a week before we're about to start filming, all of a sudden I'm in the studio and like there's just like, kind of like older black guy, like 52-year-old DJ, not to bring up his race, but like he's just, the reason why I bring that up is he was totally different than me. You know, he was older than me, he was like an ex-DJ, and he was like this like, his name is Peter Guns, he was like in the rap group. And so I guess what the production, what the guy, Bobby Goldstein, thought was like, oh, well, Alex won't care if, as long as I hire somebody like different. Like if you would have hired like another 30-year-old white guy, you know, I might be like, why would you hire him? And they still wanted me to, so when they introduced me to Peter Guns, they were like, oh, this is the new host. I'm like, what? This is. I thought I was the host. He's like, well, we kind of want to go in a different direction because we got a virtue signal and we got a. And that's not what he said, but that's basically sure. what it was. And uh, and Peter Guns, you know, he just kind of wanted to go in a different route, which is fine. So I immediately quit. They didn't expect me to quit. You know, they thought I would still stay on and produce episodes. So I was like, no, man, this is so stupid. Not what you told me. Yeah, and so one of the guys from Cheaters actually uh, was a real nice guy. He's like, Alex, you should just do your own like podcast or show. I'm like, dude, nobody's gonna listen to my podcast or show. Like, I was kind of in this mindset, like this Hollywood mindset. You like, you gotta have somebody back you up. You gotta have like a big corporation or company or like have a deal with somebody. Luckily, I didn't. I listened to my buddy and I made my first podcast. And uh, before I knew it, I had a thousand subs on wow. YouTube really fast. Whereabouts are we in time? It's still in twenty. This is in May twenty. This is May twenty twenty. This okay. is like right. The pandemic had started uh-huh. in March, and so like, and I was. The thing is, I guess I didn't talk about this. So my show is called The Conspiracy Castle. So, yeah. I, so I was like, I love conspiracies. I'm into really conspiracies, just like, you know, 9-11 and just, you know, everything, the moon landing. I'm a conspiracy nut. And so so I didn't know what I was kind of going to talk about. Like, I've always been funny and this and that. So I was like, well, I love this show, Rusted Development. And they have they have a, they have a show uh, on there. It's called the Magic Castle. I don't know if you watch the show. Do you oh, watch? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love that joke, like just like a wordplay. So I was like, I want to do the Conspiracy Castle. And then that's why I started off my first episode. I talked about like Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> and, you know, just, uh, you know, just kind of like your basis, basic uh, conspiracy stuff, not even that kind of milk toast stuff. I was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I just can't believe how fast I got to a thousand subscribers. You know, some, some bigger YouTubers that I had listened to shared it. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Okay. I wasn't making any money or anything, but I was like, well, at least somebody listened. I got like a thousand views. Right. I'm like, you know, I was like, oh wait, this is cool. Okay. Okay. I can do this. But I was using my buddy who helped produce it. He was, you know, I was going to his place and like using his cameras and stuff. And so very quickly I realized, 
well, after like the third episode, I'm like, well, I'm going to start doing this. And then I had to buy my camera. I had to get <laughs> set up. I had to learn how to stream it. Yeah. So the first few months, I was like learning how to live stream it. So in, you know, learning how to edit it after that was the best thing. And I knew how to edit a little bit, but it's just talking about like, I'd never done my own content. I never like used, uh, I was using like OBS, which is in, you know, online broadcasting system where you can, you know, stream it and you can add overlays and stuff. So the, all that was new and it was so much fun. So I'm listening, I'm growing slightly. And then right as my channel's going, I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I should go speak at these city council meetings. <laughs> Not really for the content, but in my mind, I was like, obviously I'm going to post it. But I was talking like real earnestly. I was like, Man, you know, these lockdowns are really, they're not really stopping the spread. And one issue, I talk about this all the time, though, there's this 81-year-old guy named Rudy that would walk his dog at the at Bachman Lake Park all the day, all the time. And I walk there every day with my dogs. And he stopped going, and I had his phone number, and I messaged him. I'm like, Rudy, why aren't you coming? He's like, well, they closed the bathroom. The bathrooms are locked. Which, these are outdoor bathrooms. They don't even have roofs. But they're they're metal. They're nicer. They're just different than the, you know, porta potty that like everybody uses methamphetamines in. And <laughs> seriously, they've been like burned down multiple times. You could tell like people like were doing drugs and left something and somehow the porta potty caught on fire. He's like, yeah, I don't like to change my colostomy bag inside the porta potty. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to go speak about this, you know? And, yeah. I, and I spoke about this and they just didn't pay attention at all. They just kind of looked at me like, oh, you're a tinfoil hat weirdo. Cause I'm like, like, you know, I was, you know, talking about how we're going to have vaccines coming up. And mm -hmm. I was, I was kind of, everybody kind of knew, like, all the conspiracy theorists knew, like, man, people have what is called cognitive dissonance, where they know the government will lie to them, but they think the government has their best interests. And so I, I wasn't suffering for the cognitive dissonance. I was kind of awake to what's going on. Not saying that there wasn't a virus going around, sure. just saying that. Oh, no, no, no. We're all conspiracy theorists now. Yeah, yeah basically. Frankly. I mean, that, that, that they've painted us all into a corner. 100%. And, and I, basically, I was just saying, like, why, you know, some of these mandates are, are unnecessary. It's not going to really help out, and it's just really hurting, like, the middle class. And I was being, you know, talking to it. They weren't paying attention. And then I think it was, like, my second or third speech, I said some stupid thing, like, um, I was talking to Mayor Eric Johnson of the Dallas City Council, and this all these meetings were a Zoom on, at the time. Uh huh. So like, I'm just I'm a comedian, so I want to say something funny, but like I was trying to talk earnestly, but then I said I, I would write my speech and I mixed in some jokes. I was like, you know, Mayor Johnson, because the, all they did was talk about the vaccine numbers. That was the biggest thing. This is why when the vaccine was first coming out, just, everybody had to get vaccinated. I was like, you know, what you should do is you should uh, do Mayor Johnson's free Johnson and Johnson in the gay community because people would love the gay community would love the double entendre. <laughs> and, and then I look at him and I was like, you know, you being the first openly gay mayor of Dallas, I think it'd be really successful. And he's not, he has like three kids. He's like happily married <laughs> to a wife. And I just saw his reaction. Oh, dude. No. I could see he was like, what? And that was the first time I oh, got his reaction. I was like, listening now. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, wait, what? And just this little joke, just kind of trolling him. I was like, Wow, I gotta troll him the whole time, dude. I gotta troll him the whole time now, mm -hmm. and basically that's kind of the my like villain origin story. Realizing like uh. th these non-playable characters, Keith, like they don't want to interact with us once they feel no. like once they get elected, they feel like we work for them no, somehow. They are annoyed that you even have time at that podium and that microphone, and they have to sit there, and they're probably. Paying bills or you on know, their just, cell phone, right? Yeah. Playing, they're probably playing uh, solitaire while you're talking. Yeah, and and so, uh, and, and this the first time I ever saw you was the Dallas City Council meeting, and you were complaining about uh, the abortion law in Texas and how you know now you've got to be a responsible 
person and that's that's not cool yeah that was the first time i saw you see that one went viral that was like my first one and i went and i talked about how you know abortion is the best form of birth control and i love it <laughs> and now that i can't do it like i gotta <laughs> wear condoms and stuff you know and i was just like just saying all this crazy stuff and like you know a bunch of right-wing conservative people like charlie kirk ben shapiro that's that was like my first i guess viral video uh-huh. of that because you know all the conservatives are like look at this leftist is like loves abortion you know oh, no. yeah <laughs> yeah they fell for it obviously you know and i don't like abortion i think abortion's terrible but that's what the whole point of the joke is uh-huh. i was just like oh man because that's what these clowns on the left sound like and i know it's not every person on the left but these people that defend abortion like oh it's women's rights it's women's rights but what about the baby's rights mm-hmm. And it just—it's just a—it's—it's it's just kind of a. The the world. And correct me if you disagree with this, but the world is such an out of control, bizarro place that you have to go over the top to make points like you're doing at these city council meetings just to get their attention because otherwise we'll just think it is a, a, another leftist out there. Yeah, I mean it's that simple. Like people are like, where do you get your ideas from? Or people have asked me that, but. It's just easy. I just hold up a mirror to whatever Brian Stelter's saying, whatever Don Lemon's saying on CNN. <laughs> I mean, and you just like, like you talk about like, what's the biggest issue in the world? Well, I don't think there's enough trans rights awareness, you know, and that's literally <laughs> what they'll tell you. They won't talk about the gas prices. They right. won't literally talk about the border crisis. They won't talk about how the middle class is dying and people can't even afford to buy a house and how, you know, BlackRock, these like Vanguard, these companies that have $10 trillion in assets buy every house, rising the price for a single yep. family not to be able to afford it. Like yep. all these serious issues. But they're going to talk about, well, trans people aren't getting enough awareness. And it's like, dude, whatever. I'm not even anti-trans. If you're trans, you're 18, and you want to you know, wear a go dress, for go for it. Yeah. yeah. If you're nine years old and you're about to have gender reassignment surgery, now I think that's a little different because mm-hmm. it, you don't let a nine-year-old drive a car. You don't let a nine-year-old smoke a cigarette. I, I don't know. You if don't let a nine-year-old ride around the block on a bicycle without a helmet, it, and yet they're aware enough to go ahead and get this gender reassignment surgery. Give I mean, me Keith, dude, it goes it goes to this. Um, there's like a joke, and I always I don't I never quote the the comedian, but it was just a little Twitter joke. I really should find out who who said this, but she's like. Having a trans kid is a lot like having a vegan cat. You know who's making the decision. It's the parent. It's the owner. Because a cat, you know, needs meat. And uh-huh. a, a kid, it's like, listen, everybody goes through phases. I went through a weird phase. You went through a weird phase. But these parents are the ones that are enabling them. And if it's not the parent, a lot of times it's an uncle or it's an aunt. Mm-hmm. So what I'm There's saying- There's an activist somewhere in this child's life. Somewhere, because these kids are like not, I mean, they're making lifelong decisions and they'll even say, oh, puberty blockers are reversible, but that's not true at all because like there's kids that, that said that they went on puberty blockers and then they just, they stopped at 17 and they still had a penis of like a nine-year-old. So that's that's like a real thing. I mean, that that other people have said that, which is, you know, that doesn't seem reversible to me that, you know, you only have one time of maturation of going through puberty and for you to block that. It's like it doesn't just kick back in at 17. Right. So I guess the trans awareness, uh, we're on that topic. That's what I noticed is how silly the world is. Is like we have serious problems, but all they want to do is virtue signal to uh, the point zero one eight percent of the community. Like they don't. Yeah. I'm a populist, you know. People like say, "Are oh, you right? Are you left?" I mean, really and truly, like I consider myself a populist more than anything. Somewhere mm. in the middle. I mean, now because the left has gone so far, obviously I'm more conservative. But Overton window, baby. Yeah, really. I mean, it's just it, that's basically what what has happened. Because really and truly, the world we live in, like. 
you know, racism stuff, bad stuff does exist, but it's it's a lot of government manipulated stuff. Like, look at yes. all these hate hoaxes. No, there's not oh. a lot of you know. Jesse Smollett is a perfect one, uh-huh. and you always see it like when the, you know somebody gets their driveway sprayed with the N word. It's like they always you know run the tape back, and it was like their own family. It's, it's always it's always <laughs> a, a hoax. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I'm not saying like race isn't an issue, but it's never as bad as you mm-hmm. hear on CNN. Right. Um, and that's just what I'm trying to. With my show, this is what I noticed. So, so when I first started off you know, doing podcasts and trying to, you know, wake people up to the what's going on in the world, people were listening, but they people were just so tuned out. They they're just they're an information overload. I, I was on the Tucker Carlson show, not to name drop, but I but one, <laughs> one of the things I talked about was trauma based mind control, and that's basically what we're under. Like if you're looking at CNN, there's always a death scroll of you know how many people have died, and and you know it's just it's, it's just constantly keeping you in this in this fear state so what i noticed is when i created content the best way to get people's attention is to blur the line of reality and fiction like andy kaufman used to do i'm a huge andy kaufman fan uh-huh. and so if that's why i started doing like the speeches where i'm like pro-abortion and people are like is this guy for real is this guy for real and then after that i had a video that went like really viral where i went there in scrubs and i sang like this pro-vaccine <laughs> song this cringy song like you know give me dr fauci give me that ouchie give and like it got, and it got shared by like abc news all these outlets <laughs> thinking it was real They're like, oh look at this guy yeah oh, really? yeah oh, on abc no. news i got it on all on my page and um and this the, is all impromptu by the way yeah correct? that was that, i mean the i literally freestyle rap these songs people are like what are you talking awesome. about but it's kind of hard. I can, it's harder. It's almost easier for me to freestyle it because I have. I'm just. I don't know. I'm like autistically gifted at rhyming. I'm like the Rain Man <laughs> when it comes to rhyming words. And it's not hard to be really cringe. Like that's a part of it too. I'm not. If I was going there and trying to be cool like Kanye West or something, it'd be different. But knowing that I'm, I'm playing. It's called astroturfing. Like I'm playing a character on the left. Yeah. That is supposed to be cringe. So the cringer I get, the better it gets. And and so once I. Once I did that video at mm-hmm. uh, City Hall, then I started linking up with a guy named Cassidy Campbell. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he yeah. he's a guy that has a 1.5 million. Now he's at like 1.7 million or something YouTube scri- subscribers. But he's just ch- a big guy with the beard. No, that's that's Alex Rosen. He's a okay. he's a friend of mine too. He started coming too after the fact. But this guy <laughs> is Cassidy Campbell. Okay, he plays like these characters like called Wangsta, and he used to get shared <laughs> on World Star Hip Hop all the time, and he used to go viral all the time. But then he got based. And just like the algorithm, YouTube just crushes him. So his uh-huh. channel was kind of on the decline, or it just wasn't growing like it was. It became stagnant is a better word, not decline. Then he noticed I was going to the meetings. So Cassidy, I was like, I encourage Cassidy, hey, you should come to the meetings. You should play these crazy characters. And now Cassidy, you know, he's had a few million hit videos doing oh, this as well. I love it. And I actually encourage people like, are you mad that people are, you know, stealing your bit? Because Mark Dice does it too. And I was like, no, I encourage Mark Dice to do it. I encourage other people to go speak at these city council meetings and mock the left yeah. because we need more people doing it. Yes. And so so that's when I noticed like, oh, wow, it works if I do it. It works if Cassidy does it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's literally just, like I said earlier, it's just regurgitating these left-wing talking points that make no sense, that aren't based in science. Like you have Kentaji Brown-Jackson, she'll be like, well, I can't define a woman because I'm not a biologist. So she admits that biology defines our sex. So they're all hypocritical, <laughs> you know? And like that's the same thing with abortion. You know, all day long they're like, oh, it's women's rights. Yet if you get in a DWI car accident and you hit a woman and she's pregnant and you kill her and her baby that's a double murder so right. so it doesn't make sense like a lot of stuff is hypocritical like that where yep. they say you know oh well uh, you know it's a baby's not it's just a clump of cells but you know that clump of cells if you're a drunk driver and you hit a woman and the baby dies that's a double murder so it, it's just a lot of the hypocrisy in the world it's easy to call out 
it's not even it's like right in our faces so mm -hmm. it's not you don't even have to really come up with like these great bits it's it's almost like a comedian calls it hack it's kind of hacky mm -hmm. you know to to, to regurgitate sure. the stuff and so basically that's really kind of where i'm at that's uh -huh. what i noticed when i when like i was talking about earlier when i was creating content that was informational and I always try to give it like a comedic twist because I'm I'm consider myself kind of funny. Like people would listen and laugh, but the best is when you just go full over overblown. Is this real or is this fake? When you right. blur the right. the line of reality and fiction, yeah. and you act like the craziest leftist person, they're like, "Wait, do I really look?" Because why that is, why that's effective is when you go to the meeting and you say something serious. You're like, "Joe Biden is senile, and Kamala Harris won't go to the border." I just, you know, the right doesn't really share it and the left doesn't really share it. Mm -hmm. But if you go there and you make fun of the left, for some reason they are still, are, like the right shares like crazy, but then even the left is interested because they're like, do I really look like this? So it, it it's it's more effective to both sides yeah. than it is to AstroTurf as a conservative. And it, it really and truly, it's, it's, it's basically people are like, oh, you're like Colbert back when Colbert was funny. Now he sucks. And not that he was that <laughs> funny, but he had the show on The Daily Show where he was like a fake right winger, right? That right. was like, that right. was, he was kind of like a fake Rush Limbaugh. And that shit was popular because, and that's that's back when the right was like going into the Iraq war and starting a you know never-ending war over weapons of mass destruction that we never found. So it was low-hanging fruit. Like I'm not I'm not really climbing these trees and going and getting pineapple. I'm literally right. just grabbing the banana. That's you know I'm it's like no. literally low-hanging fruit. It's actually pretty easy. So you and I have a mutual friend, Kay Smythe, who you guys kind of interviewed each other uh, simultaneously for her podcast and for yours at the same time. And she made a comment during that conversation that y'all had that by the, and I completely agree with what she said. She said, by the end of the year, everybody's going to know the name Alex Stein. And I agree completely. So my question for you is by the time this podcast posts, this may be the case actually. Do you have any plans uh, if the right deal comes along to leave Dallas Fort Worth? Would you move somewhere else, or are you connected so much here to Dallas that you don't want to leave? Well, I really appreciate that comment. I love Kay Smythe. She's awesome. I've got to give her a shout-out. And she works at the Daily Caller, and she's great. Um, but uh, it's funny you bring that up because now I'm meeting with some people in New York City. I don't want to get all sad, Keith. This is the issue. My mom recently died. She got COVID, was given remdesivir, and like died You know, five days later without our authority. And I was in there just watching her die. It was really bad. I'm so and sorry. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, but that my, was just about three October, or four months ago. Yeah, right? October 25th. Uh, so it was five months ago now. I, time flies. It feels like yesterday. And it's weird. To, for some, When you lose a loved one, you think like the time, a lot of people are like, oh, time makes it easier. But it's like, nah, I miss her even more every day. But regardless, what I'm talking about, you're asking me why I'm moving. Well, my dad, right before that happened my mom, right before the pandemic, my dad had opened, had a heart attack and then had to have quadruple bypass surgery. And it was really a big deal. And like his, he, because he went with oxygen to his brain for a little bit, he's like a little, he's not slow, but he does have a little cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. uh, like his doctors diagnosed it. They called it pump brain. Just because he's just, you know, my dad's still smart. He obviously can still drive a car, and he's fine. Like, I don't want to make my dad seem like he's, like, you know, some— Yeah, I got you. But he's just not the same as he was before the heart attack. And so I'm really close with both my parents. They were divorced, but I was really close. And so now I, I, there's a lot of opportunities, like, oh, you know, you should come here, or you right. can do work for here. Right. And I don't really want to leave Dallas, you know. Mm -hmm. I right now I don't want to. I don't want to go anywhere. Well, to well, be honest, well, maybe one of the great things because there's so few of these, but maybe one of the benefits of the pandemic was how we kind of came to depend on things like Zoom and long distance communications 
So I don't see why you would have to move. Like I could be your agent if you if yeah. you if you need help with this. So let's keep you here in Dallas for sure. You're uh, ours. You're uh, ours, man. Yeah, no, I like it. And the Blaze has been really welcoming and nice. Uh, so I like I, obviously you know an opportunity at the Blaze would be great. And, uh-huh. and there, there are some other opportunities out there where you know people are like, oh, why don't you come to Nashville or why don't you come here? And I'm not gonna say totally no, but right now, yeah. right now I'm making every time. I don't, it's not about the money. I actually don't really care about the money uh, because I, I really don't. I, I, I buy and sell cars. Like if I really want to make money, I can grind all day and do really mm-hmm. well selling cars. But it's just it's, that's not my passion. My passion is making people laugh yeah. or entertaining people. And staying independent, I would I would say has its own uh, benefits. But no, that, that, before I forget, I want to revisit something you mentioned oh, yeah. in passing earlier uh, when you were starting out there. Um, you were on an episode of The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah, here, I'll now, pull it up. Yeah, but what show. episode, what season is this? I was on Michael Scott's last scene. Let me show you right now oh, so you can see it. Yeah. okay. And that was a really, that was actually one of my favorite days because at the time, I mean, The Office was the number one show. Mm-hmm. Um, let me pull it up. Michael Scott's yeah. last scene. And and that was so cool because it was just, you know, it was such a hot show. Okay, so here, there's me in the thumbnail. You can see it. If, okay. you, if you watch the clip. So you gotta see that top one. You'll see me yeah. in the blue sweatshirt, oh, and it's nice. just me—it's just me walking. But I'm in the whole scene, and it was really emotional day. It's like, um, yeah, a it, St- Steve Carell was crying, and and you know Jenna Fisher, she played Pam, she was crying. The where whole was day. this uh, recorded? That was at an airport in Ontario, uh, California. Yeah, I've been to that airport. Yeah. Okay, so goodbye, Michael Scott episode. Uh, in the thumbnail, like you said, you're in the blue shirt in the background, walking toward the camera. Um, I'm looking forward to watching that later, man. Yeah, you got to see the clip. I mean, here, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. I'll, I'll text it to yeah, you. Yeah, that's good. Um, and it's just a two-minute clip, but I, I'm in most of I it. I love it. Um, I love it. So you did stand-up. Yeah, I mean, and I still, I still Keith, you know, I still do some okay. comedy. Like, I did some stand-up at, at, at a little event now. But really, I, I consider myself, like, I'm more, and this sounds so lame, Really, to me, stand-up comedy is kind of dead. Like mm. I grew up like, and I loved Sinbad, and I loved, yeah. um, you know, like Gallagher. I remember watching those. Like that's back when, like I remember, like in the early <laughs> late '80s, like early sure. '90s. When and comedy, how old are you? I'm 35. I'm 35. older than I look. But okay. but I'm saying I remember like back then, like they used to play on Showtime a lot, and then like Chris Rock had specials that were good. But this day and age, like it's just not the same. Like Louis C.K. just won a Grammy for his his stand-up, but I didn't even hear what his. I didn't even watch his special. Mm. And I like Louis C.K. I'm just saying the the form of of yeah. where guys standing. There's so much media now. It kind of, it's kind of killed it a little bit. Yeah. So so what I in my mind is I like to consider myself a performance artist. Like I want to like do. I, I and it and it comes to the same. Andy Kaufman is my personal hero. He's uh-huh. like my motivation. Just because I I love where his mind's at. So so I guess when I when I try to do comedy, I kind of want it to be like performance art. Like I want to do something. Weird, like a bit I like to do that Andy that I stole from Andy Kaufman is like where you call somebody from the audience that you know and they like you know throw water on you or they you know like they hit you and not everybody in the audience knows like I do that bit with my buddy Cassidy and my buddy Jimmy, so I like to do weird stuff that is not your standard setup punch joke right. and I can sit and talk all day on a microphone. I I've noticed. Say, I love this. I've literally just had to crack the mic and let you go. Yeah, well, I mean, I have a lot to say. I mean, I and. And like I guess my favorite, you know, one of my favorite jokes, and I think I stole this from a meme. See, I'm kind of a hack comic, but um, <laughs> when they're talking about the mask, they're like, you know, if a pair of Levi's can't stop a fart, then a mask will not stop a deadly virus. Right. So you know, I'm just saying, it's right. little. There's just little stuff there where you can mix in jokes as yeah. a digital content creator and make an impact on society. 
Yeah, and, and see, when I go to these meetings, it's it's funny we bring up comedy because it's very similar to like your three minute open mic at a comedy club. The only yeah, difference, yeah, yeah. the only difference is is there's a camera there uh-huh. and there's like an audience that has to watch you. A lot that's, of these that's so great that I love about these. You're taking advantage of the media uh, that they've set up, and, and you don't have to do anything. You literally just show up. Here's my question for you though: Do they see you coming? Do they see you in the hall? Oh, they yeah, see yeah, you yeah. They the, know me now. Yeah, because, yeah, because yeah, you have to submit when you go to a. For those that haven't gone, and I'm sure it's at Dallas and Plano and other places I've seen you. I, I know whenever I've talked in front of a, a city council, you always have to submit your name and your address and all yeah. this stuff. I'm surprised that these municipalities. Uh, do they just let anybody talk even if you're not a resident? There? Yeah, well, everybody says that. Like, oh, they're not going to let you talk. Well, if you work in the city, they have to let you speak there. Uh-huh. You can speak as well. Uh-huh. And, um, dude, you have your first amendment right. Like, if you go sign up, uh, that's the problem with a lot of the ones on Zooms. You start acting crazy, they can just kick you out of the Zoom. Mm-hmm. But when you're in person, it, you know, they kind of have to let you speak. It, there, But there are rules. Like, in Dallas, it's once a month. In Plano, you can speak, you know, every two weeks. So different cities have different rules. And so now I, I'm going to have to hit other suburbs Obviously, they like know who I am in yeah. Dallas, and they let me speak. But it's just, it's, um, it's just the the I'm all about energy. It's just so low vibrational mm-hmm. energy when you walk in there, and they're like, oh, they're nervous. A lot of the a lot, some of the politicians get up and leave and say they have to go to the bathroom because they don't want to be on camera of like their reactions. They know, <laughs> they know that it's going to be like a viral video. Literally, that's, that's a, awesome. Yeah, like the city manager TC Broadno. Like now, when he sees me, he's a, he's a city manager. He's one of the highest paid employees, and I call him out. He makes half a million dollars running the city, which I'm not, I don't know if he's overpaid, but he's he doesn't run the city that great. And he just doesn't like it. He, every time I, I, I'm about to speak. So there are people that are literally nervous, which I like because most people, when you get on the microphone, they're nervous. They're tense. They're like, oh, you know, it's scared. Right. And they're talking about something serious, like how they got a DWI, an accident, and child protective services took their kids or whatever. You know, it's like the sad thing. And they're like trying to get help for it. And you can just tell they're trembling. But I love it. I love when I go there and I put them on ice skates, you know, and I have their, the politicians are like, oh, wow, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? So that's like my favorite thing is like when I, and I like that they're a little nervous. But see, now I have to go to different cities. Like yeah. I, I got to go to, you know, the colony. I got to go to Allen. I, there's a bunch of city councils. But luckily we're in DFW where there's so like, many. there's, yeah, there's like 35, so there's places. literally like 30 city councils yeah. to go to. So I, so I, it's, and it's never ending. Like maybe yeah. this bit will get old <laughs> and I'm not the first person to ever go. You know why it won't? I'll tell you why it won't. Let me interrupt you. Yeah. It's because the world will continue to show how absurd it is on multiple fronts at the same time. And, and, and we could have sat in this room a year ago and you and I would not even have imagine a world where you could go in front of these city councils and literally talk about stuff like kids wanting to get sex change operations and the the administration that is in charge in this country is like yeah and if you challenge that then we're coming after you red states i mean the world is going to continue to be absurd so you'll always have material waiting for you you know that's a very good point like we're never going to run out of stuff to mock and that's the that's the other big thing is like these elitists even though i don't like to use that word a lot of like the stuff they do is literally mocking us. I mean, they they, they basically pee on us and tell us it's raining. And mm-hmm. I, and like that sounds crazy, but seriously, when they talk about, I said this earlier, we have serious issues here in the world, and all they're going to do is tell you about trans rights or mm-hmm. tell you about some like something that only affects a small part of the population. Instead of uh, instead of talking about the things that affect everyone, like these gas prices, like yeah. the rising inflation. So yeah, I mean, and and you look at the art too. This is why I think I have a chance of it being effective. If you look at the art today, 
shows like Saturday Night Live, not that long ago, like five, six years ago. Every Monday there was a viral, you know, they would have a clip that would go viral because it was such a funny sketch. Right. And this, and even though art was even getting, you know, worse five or six years ago, but now it's so bad. It's so, it's mm-hmm. all about virtue signaling. SNL sucks. So there's a huge void. There's not even really yes. a good yeah. comedy or content. Like so many people, that's the comment I get the most that when I see re- reoccurring, they're like, this is like what Saturday Night Live would be if it was still funny. And I agree with that. That's the one comment I really agree with. I'm not saying that I'm Saturday Night Live, but I'm really no. basically doing the Saturday Night Live skits that they're not allowed to do because right. it would be it right. would be considered too conservative. I mean, exactly. you know, I mean, too controversial. Right. No, you're exactly right. There is that entertainment void and people such as yourself fill it while making a point. And it's, you know, it's political humor that used to have a place in our society and now is completely silenced by algorithms like you mentioned. And the the latest video I had go viral, it had a million hits in less than in 12 hours. And then they put a sensitive content warning oh. of me in a bathing suit. And it ended up getting like a, another half a million hits, which I'm very thankful for. But the reason why that's annoying is on that same app, they literally have adult pornography. Yes. I mean, they literally have right. it. So for them to say, oh, this is sensitive content because I'm a male in a bathing suit, they just shows you that we can never beat the technocracy because they can write these rules. Yeah. And, and it's similar to the reason why I had the other viral video that went super viral this year. I had the Prayers for Ukraine rap. And the idea for that is... Even this is I just this blew my mind that on Twitter and on YouTube they they agree that you could say you can kill Vladimir Putin all day long like literally they said it in their terms of service like that's not going to be a strike and that's what blew my mind I'm like well I wonder how much I can push this to the limit like how much can I say can I kill Vladimir Putin because you saw Lindsey Graham said it on Fox mm-hmm. News and and so it just shows you like. On, on you know, there's it's very it's hypocrisy. They say that sure. you know porn is fine, but me in a women's bathing suit is sensitive right. content. Which, by the way, you you look quite lovely in a <laughs> women's bathing suit from circa 1925. And you, you know, and that's what they say. I look like Marilyn Monroe, and and in that bathing suit, oh, so many women have hit me up. It's like wow, no, that, yeah. No. They're like, where'd you get that bathing suit? They like the bathing suit, and I'm about to post it now. I might do it right after this on my way home. Uh, I was going to make a video of me returning the bathing suit and showing them that I wore it and say that it was uncomfortable just to see what their reaction would oh, be. Yeah, I know that. Make be sure funny. you yeah. got to send me if you tweet that or, <laughs> yeah. or post that. You got to make sure I'm aware. Yeah, that, I think awesome. that I think that will be funny uh, <laughs> showing me return it. But um, when when it comes to like we were talking about the comedy void though, it is literally that that's what that my only thing that's like my motivation is that I'm going to talk about the stuff that's not allowed to be talked about. Yeah. That political, I'm not going to be politically correct, and and uh, we really should call out a lot of people on the right too. Like a lot of these people, like uh, Dan Crenshaw. There's a lot of rhinos in the world where they sure. give you the impression that they're conservative, but really they're <laughs> globalists. And that's like uh, I talked about conspiracies, and the reason why yeah. I, I loved Alex Jones, I was just an Alex Jones fan, and he talked about it. The problem, the biggest problem with America too, is that we're not being run by human beings. We're being run by multinational corporations that that have global dominance that care about you know getting a better deal in China or getting better deals in wherever they mm-hmm. can, outsourcing their 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 employees in order to destabilize America because they don't care about America. They're not America first. So that's really one of our biggest problems is these corporations. They don't have the ability to feel empathy. They don't care about the homeless person. They they just want to. They just want to make a dollar out of 15 cents, and they want you to just be a you know a blind consumer to all this. It's like that movie, um, what is it, THX 1130 or 1138, whatever, I forget the name of it. But in that, in the future, it's like they just literally want us to be like mindless drone consumers of their products. They, right. don't, they don't want us to push the envelope, be free. And that's that's where we're heading. We're kind of heading yeah. to this dark dystopian oh, future. Oh, we're on a crash course. Uh, yeah. Crash, uh, 
whatever I'm trying to say. We're on a plane crash to it. I don't know what the heck. <laughs> We're on our way to hell in a handbasket, as yeah. they say. Yeah. So, okay. Let me switch gears for a second here. You mentioned you have a couple of dogs. What kind of dogs you got, man? Oh, dude. I got... <laughs> let me just tell you something. I got so... I'm a big dog guy. Okay. I'm okay. Dude, I'm a nut job about dogs. I, I too. But, dude, listen to this. Okay. Talk, talk about the freaking... Um, I started off the pandemic with with two cats. Okay. And uh, and a dog. I had a ginger. And uh, I started off with two cats in, you know, whatever that was, like, March 2020. And, dude, everybody, all these people, like, passed away from other stuff. So, I'm, like, now I'm, like, an animal rescue center. I have, like, a veterinarian hospital. Oh. I have five cats. Yes, I have five cats. Wait, do you live alone? I live alone. I live alone in a duplex, two-bedroom duplex, which is nice. I have a backyard. Um, I have a big place. So, I have five cats. I have a pit bull oh. dog, Ginger. And then, and then my dad has three dogs. So I go walk his dogs. I walk my dog. Usually when I walk my ginger, when I walk my dog, I'll usually go to my dad's house and pit. Not every day, but I'll go over there and walk his dogs too because my dad's older. He doesn't want to go walk sure. his dogs. So, dude, I like take care of, of my five cats, my dog ginger. Then I have a turtle named Jay Leno. And then I had to go about every day. I usually go mess with my dad's dogs too. So yeah. I'm at, and he has three. So it's like it's ten four, animals. Yes, it's ten animals <laughs> that I deal That's with. That's as high as I can count. And, by the way, and it's annoying too because when I have to go walk my dad's dog, my dog doesn't. My dog gets along with only one of his dogs. Doesn't get along with all of his dogs. So like, so I usually have to walk Ginger and Bandit, like two of the dogs. They all walk them together, and then I had to go on a separate walk no. with the other two. Yes, dude. So I walk. Oh. That's why I go to the Bachman Lake because I. That's where I walk. How many Ginger. steps you get every dude, day? Dude, every day I walk. I literally, and and my if my diet wasn't so bad, I'd be skinnier. But I walk five miles every day. <laughs> okay, Keith, right. no matter what, that's I walk good. five miles. That's but good. I do that for the mental health. That's another thing. Somebody not. I'm not. I don't want to give advice. I'm not a role model. I'm like when Charles Barkley says, like, I'm not a role model. I'm not. I'm not one of those people like follow my lead. Because I'm a mess, you know. I'm a, but let's have a life tip here. Well, is for people like, oh, I don't want to exercise. It's not even really about exercising, guys, to look better or fit in your jeans better. You got to really do it for your mental health. Like, it's mm -hmm. really important just to do even light exercise, just to move around. Because what happens is, is like, if you get your heart pumping, it, it, that blood flow and that circulation, it kind of gets out the cobwebs in your brain. Okay. And that, so that's what I would just say. So like, does me mowing the lawn? That's what I'm saying. Mowing the lawn that, would that, be great. Yeah. Okay, I think good. that would be good. I, I think anything that as long as you use, as long you don't even have to raise your 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 you know beats per minute that high, but okay. you know you got to you have to look at like uh, your heart as a pump, and you do need to circulate your body. Like some of the best exercises. I'm not a fitness expert or a fitness thing. It's like yoga. I, know, I mean, I'm not mm. some guy that does, you know, wants to lift or do heavy weights. And you're like, why do you do it? Well, you got to do something for your brain. You have to yeah. move around just a little bit for your brain. And I know you have to get up early in the morning. You're probably tired when you're, you know, when Constantly. you're off work. Constantly. I know. I bet you want to take a nap and then it's kind of hard. It messes up your day. It's hard. It's, it's hard to find time, guys, to go. I'm lucky that I can walk for nearly two hours a day. I'm very blessed in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Let's go back to your childhood. Uh, I want to know your earliest memory growing up. Yeah, I don't know. People always, I, you know, I I, I kind of hate that question. Like, that's kind of like a... Oh, we could have skipped it if I... No, 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 no. I don't care that much. No, no, no. I don't care that much. But people always ask. But you know, that's like a real general question. And I mean, it's hard for me to say what I remember, yeah. like my first memories. I mean, I, I like really want to say like going to McDonald's with mm -hmm. my mom. Like, I kind of really sure. want to say that. But I feel like there has to be something earlier. You know, it, yeah. it kind of bugs me. Don't I just don't like this question because I kind of don't remember. Like, do you remember? What was your first memory that you remember? 
Oh my goodness, it would have been, um, because a lot of times people sit in that chair and it's, I'm fascinated by how many times their answer is a traumatic event. Uh -huh. And for me, it's very similar to that. I remember screaming my head off on a family vacation with a bunch of extended family. I don't know if I was just embarrassed being this way in front of them, but uh, I remember having a uh, splinter in my toe, like I'd stepped on something and just getting it out was agonizing. And I just, I can remember what the door looked like out there in front of this uh, rental house that we had and, and just screaming my head off. I do, however, have an equally fun memory and that was going to rescue um, a stuffed animal that I left at my babysitter's house and guiding my grandparents all through Cobb County, Georgia to go find it. Wow. And so those are my really early memories. Uh, so we can- Oh, no, know, no, it's funny you something. say that. No, because now I'm kind of thinking like, yeah, I mean, well, see, this I don't even remember happening, but my dad's in the bail bond business, and he had this woman that read, and she smoked cigarettes in the bail bond office like constantly. She's mm. just ripping cigarettes all the, all day long, and and I don't remember this at all, but she, I grabbed the ashtray and swallowed a bunch of cigarettes, and they had to rush oh. me to the hospital oh. to pump my stomach. Oh. And then when I got out of the hospital with my mom, I went to pet a dog and got bit by the dog and had to go back in the hospital. I don't remember any of this, oh. but now when you say traumatic, like one of the first traumatic injuries, or thing, I remember I got stung by a jellyfish as a little kid in Florida, so that's kind of one of my early memories too. So it's funny you say traumatic. Uh -huh. Now that kind of made me click like, oh, I kind of remember getting stung by that jellyfish. That so stuff sticks with it. Yeah, I guess that's so, so that question's kind of hard because it's so yeah. vague. Yeah. Um, um, and I hate hard questions, but um, yeah, we'll see. You could have had uh, an opportunity to answer these ahead of time. And yeah, I do, but I, come on, stand. dude. I don't do homework, dude. I, I <laughs> so mean, check I this out. Let's do college. <laughs> Let's do rapid fire on some of these. Then that I yeah. would have asked. And 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 you say skip if you don't want to do anything. Oh, I don't okay? care, dude. All right. Any hobbies for Alex Stein? Oh yeah, I mean, well, other than running a veterinary clinic, uh, you know, other than like creating content, um, <laughs> you know, my dude, I'm nuts. Yeah, when about, do you have time? I imagine you stay very busy. Yeah, dude, I am, and now I'm getting a lot of interview requests. Mm -hmm. I am pretty busy, but I, I kind of like to do so. Okay. I, you know, I, I mean, everybody likes to take a nap and relax, but I actually like to be busy. It's, you know, it's yeah. like it's like when you have a boring job. Yeah, but there's it, a fine balance. There is a fine balance, but like at least here, you know, the day goes by quick. But if you ever had a boring job where you not you don't do anything there yeah. all day, it's it, Time goes by so slow, so I kind of like being busy. Yeah, I, I actually made a chart once uh, where uh, your level of busy is is a five scale, okay? And in the job where you just sit there and play solitaire all day, I mean, that's it's so that's, slow. Right, that's a one. That's miserable to the point of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Where the five is I have no time to breathe. Like yeah. I'm literally that's going from one much, thing to yeah. another. So there's a happy medium there, and you know, it's a three. That's how it would be like, yeah, I'd cheat her some days. Like, I'd be like, oh, just so stressed out. I uh -huh. hated those days. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. There is a little happy medium of staying busy. Uh, but, I mean, creating content, I that, right. that like, was, like, you know, and that is kind of my main hobby, even though I make money from it. Mm -hmm. Um but, I mean, dude, I want to say sports, but now I even really hate professional sports. Yeah, they, they, they do everything they can to ruin it. My favorite thing used to be to travel. Like, every month I was going somewhere doing mm -hmm. something. And and I've gone some places. I, I've, I drove some places this past year that, you know, I would normally probably wouldn't have driven that long just so I didn't have to, you know. Right. you know, Fool with it. Yeah, fool with it. But I need to get back to going and seeing yeah. the world. Life is short. So where would I go if I wanted to purchase a vehicle from you? You mentioned that. You sell cars? Yeah, but see, I'm really in the wholesale business, so I'll give you an instant okay. cash offer. I sell, I have a car I lot. See. I have a car lot on Inwood Road where you can come and I have some oh, wow. couple cars. Yeah, but Do a lot of people show up there now that you're becoming more and more famous by the hour? No, less people because I've been grinding less hard in the car mm. business. So people like... 
people still hit me now they're messaging up they're like do you still want to will you still buy my car like are you still buying cars <laughs> are you still cool with me well because this is why when the retail car business it just sucks because you have to like you know you're only making like maybe 500 to 2500 bucks max on a car unless you're selling a bunch of like third-party warranties and stuff like that which i don't sell because i don't try to rip people off on that stuff mm. the problem with the car i don't like to sell my friends cars because if anything goes bad it just makes you look bad and it's not worth it just to make five you don't want to risk bucks. a friendship over a Purchase. And so that's kind of how strangers are too. And and I've given people great deals on cars, and they've sent their whole entire family. And mm. that's that's back when I was really selling cars, like really grinding it. I was retailing a lot. But I'm telling you, the best bet is this is the problem that's going on with the housing market too. In the car business, every dealer has a floor plan, which is basically like uh, it's what dealers use to buy the cars. It's financing. And so what happens is, is they don't actually have to use the money. They have a big credit line with a bank. And a lot of times, these banks are owned by like Vanguard or BlackRock. Oh boy. And the reason why that is bad is because these guys have a huge uh, loan from a bank, and then they they sell the cars. So they they're we're financing the cars as dealers from the auction, and then we're selling them to customers that are financing it. So the problem is, is because there's a finance to finance, it's artificially inflating the price of the cars. If people actually had to pay cash for them, these other dealers had to pay cash, the cars would be much cheaper. Mm. And so that's that's where I use it to my advantage. When I can sell these cars, like the best car that I get, if I can get a car from somebody that may have maybe has a transmission issue or has like body damage or something, and I'll usually fix it, and I'll sell it at the auction because these dealers have these floor plans where they can just pay obscene amounts of money for these cars. So it's like, it's really, it's almost, and, and then if something goes bad, I don't feel bad because you're a dealer. I bought bad cars at a dealer. You know, you just got to learn how to buy better. <laughs> but if you do that to a customer, it's different. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to pay my rent. I'm not going to do this. So for me, I'd rather sell the cars to the other dealers and then I don't have to worry about customer service. I don't ever have to worry about them returning the car. It's just, it's yeah. a lot easier. Yes, I sell, and actually, I actually sell more cars wholesale than I do retail. But you make less money because I'm pay. Like I'll give you an instant cash offer. I have an app with Carmax where I'll give you their their offer. You know, I'll show you what Carmax will pay, and then I'll match it by five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. So there's not a lot of room because these other companies like Carmax, these other dealers, they know that they can offer a lot of money because the market's hot. So it's just it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a grind. Dude. Selling cars is not. And my freaking football coach, uh, Coach Richardson, he used to tell me, Alex. And he was my history coach. He was my history teacher and my football coach. He's like, Alex, if you don't pay more attention, you're going to be selling used cars one day. And then I freaking started selling used cars. <laughs> and, and on top of that, so my dad. Does he know this, by the way, today? Well, he. But it's funny he said that because I was selling cars. My dad's in the bail bond business. And how the bail bond business works is a lot of times people don't have money to get out of jail or they don't have money to, for collateral to make sure they're going to go to court. So they would give us their cars. So as a kid, even before the internet, I used to remember my dad would put them on Dallas Morning News and I would show the cars to the people. Like they'd come to our office or house. Because my dad didn't want to jack with it. So, like, I've been showing cars to kid, people forever. Wow. And my dad's not in the car business, but that's how I got in the car business because mm -hmm. we'd get all these cars in collateral. And as a matter of fact, he didn't get in the car business, so he didn't. So it would be easier to sell the cars. Like, he purposely didn't. And then I decided, oh, well, now we're selling it. I think if you sold, like, over 10 cars a year, you had to get a license. So that's when, oh. I, that, so that's when I, we got the license. That's when I got a license because I started selling cars but the reason why is like as a kid i would sell you know four or five cars a year and i i my dad would give me 250 bucks or you know 500 bucks that's a lot for yeah. a high school kid you know okay. so that so I, so i kind of knew about it and i i i've been doing it a long time and, yeah. and the cars sell themselves if they run and drive and they have ac somebody's gonna buy them yeah definitely definitely okay i'm trying to i'm trying to get back to rapid fire let's see here favorite music genre I mean, favorite genre. I, I mean, I, I mean, I had to say the favorite is is rap, is yeah. rap. But okay. I like all. I mean, I love country. I love oh, wow. all genres. But I, my favorite has to be like Biggie Smalls and okay. rap. Yeah, that's that's my all favorite. right. Last book you read? 
Oh, I was just reading uh, George Orwell's 1984, uh-huh. even though we read that in high school. But I, I ordered that. And then, um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, how to how to make friends and influence others? I, I, influence I bought that people. book. Influence yeah. people. Yeah, I was reading that, but okay. I haven't read the whole book. But I bought that at a, at the, at the uh, uh, thrift store. Been I need using to read some it. of the tricks a little in bit. It? Are well, they working? I'm, well, the one of the, the the only thing I haven't read the whole thing. It's actually a little pamphlet. It's not even that big of a book. But one of the one of the things it said there. And I do think it helps people is to be appreciative, you know, mm-hmm. of other people. Like a lot of people don't appreciate like the support, and that's when the one thing is like I'm trying to be extra appreciative. Like, Please when, and thank you are not that hard to say or type. Well, and it's hard too because when people send you messages, like I just want to make sure and tell people like I appreciate you sending that message because that 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 says a lot instead of just ignoring people. Yeah making them feel appreciated which is a simple thing to do but it really that has changed my life making people feel more appreciated that's good that's good uh what's your favorite book that you've ever read uh, uh i mean i gotta go catcher in the rye okay. holden caulfield i mean these are all like required readings I, I i read the news every day i read daily mail i read drudge but i don't i don't read enough fiction for fan you know i don't read enough yeah. reading for pleasure i just read for like information i'm with you there's very few books in fact only a handful that come to mind and i've i'm sorry everybody everybody listening that listens to this podcast knows exactly what i'm about to say captains and the kings yeah um you gotta enjoy atlas shrugged and that's a really good one mm-hmm, to kill a mockingbird those gotta be of my course three atticus finch yeah, i mean that, those are my three favorite fiction books of all time favorite app alex stein twitter but it's the worst but it's my favorite i know man Twitter is not a good place, so it's not. I no, know, it's not. No, it's not. I, I, no, I, yeah. Don't don't mistake what we're saying <laughs> like it's here. It's a good app. Just it's because a bad we app. are addicted to it doesn't mean it's a good place. No. Uh, okay. Now this one requires some thinking. So if if you don't want to answer this or you can't, that's totally cool. But it's uh, if you could keep only five possessions, what would they be? Yeah. Okay. I, I actually read this one. I kind of like this. I mean, th- this is the problem. If if I have power, then I gotta have my air fryer. That's that's you know that's a big one. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if a cell phone counts as a possession, when yeah. I don't f- know. This is. I hate this question. I hate this question because it's like because if, if you're I, on an island. So let's say okay. Let's say yeah, we're on an yeah, island. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting to add the phrase okay. deserted island. Okay. Yeah. If you're on a deserted <laughs> island, what would the five things that I would need? Um. I would, I mean, this is so difficult. I'll answer yeah. it right now. I mean, obviously you want shoes. I'm trying to think of like on the movie Castaway. Oh. If I'm on, if I'm on there and you know, you want to, you don't want to, everybody's like, oh, I'd have a book for probably like a medical book, whatever, like, you oh, know, that's the, good. the that's Grey's smart. Anatomy book or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Um, that's smart. And then I would have something to hunt with. So a gun would be, you know, yeah. I would definitely want a gun on there. Um, I would definitely want, uh, I mean, okay, so we're at a gun, we're at shoes. You know what? If I'm going to add deserted island onto this, then why don't we just say a house? Yeah, I well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, possession. I right, mean, right, I mean, right. Like, what are my favorite possessions yeah. that I have now? I really, I'm anti-materialistic. Yeah, and this that, is I, two questions, really. This is, uh, how, how would you survive and, and what are the sentimental things? Well, that's, that's the thing. Um, but in the car business too, I keep talking about it. We're really talking about it. We have an like an we just love material items. Like people put their ego into inanimate objects, and that's what blows mm. my mind. And it is like I've pulled up to a meeting in a nice car, and it gives you this like false sense of like I get why you want to have a nice car, and you want your neighbors to see that you have a nice car for whatever reason. But at the same time, it's like very poisonous to start putting your mm. emotional, uh, being emotionally invested in inanimate objects that don't even know you exist. And that's really how we are in this, especially in Dallas, such a materialistic place. Yeah. So what's the most scared you've ever been? 
I mean, my, my mom died. I mean, that was the most scared, honestly. Yeah, I'm not trying to be all over. No, no, no. But no. yeah, that was, I mean, just, I mean, I'm still scared. I'm not really scared of dying anymore because I saw, like, her go from alive to dying in front of my face. So it's like, I know that was going to happen one day to me. But yeah, I mean, that was the most scared I've ever been, just sitting in that hospital crying, not knowing what's going to happen, just sitting there. So yeah, that's the most scared. Yeah, I bet. And that's, a, in, a, in a way, it's actually a good thing now because nothing... I always think about that too. Like it's kind of my motivation to go into the meetings and stuff. I'm like, there's no need to be scared. I've already seen the scariest thing I've ever going to see in my life. See, and I appreciate that attitude. I lost my dad in 2017 and I have taken the opposite from my experience of losing a parent. And it's that my grandfather died in 2015. My dad dies in 2017. And so I've just spent the last five plus years thinking oh okay so i'm next i'm i'm literally yeah. now now the generation it's down to me yay yeah. so I, I i do appreciate what you've taken from that and i am so sorry that you lost your mom i'm sorry you lost your dad i hate that and then to lose him that right right after your grandfather it's tough i mean you know that's that's yeah. the that's the circle of life i guess it'd be worse if we died before our parents now that's true too that's true too um but uh no we don't want our parents to die it no sucks. it does and let me ask you this. Do you have any siblings? No, I'm an only child, see, dude. Same here. So what, oh, see, that's why we're so similar. So what happens is you're the only one that in the entire planet that is feeling this way. Yeah. You don't have someone else, another support system that that is experiencing it the same way you are. And that, that I've, I've always wanted siblings, never more than when I lost my dad. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't even care about having siblings. I'm such a loner and introvert. <laughs> like, I'm actually a pretty sociable Isn't person. Isn't that amazing? Introvert, but yet you show up at these city council meetings and perform. I'm, well, and, and it's funny, though. People are like, oh, you're an attention whore. You go to these meetings. I'm like, no, doy. I'm trying to get people to listen to my podcast. I want people to watch my <laughs> show. What do you, I mean, it's called marketing. You call it attention whore. I call it marketing. So, yes. yeah, that's yes. – and, and so it's kind of part of it. Like, I like to – I like to, uh, you. you know, I like to bring attention to myself, but at the same time, man, I, there's nothing more that I like than to be, have my phone off and like watching something and just vegging out, being no, by myself. I'm with you. Favorite comfort food? Well, I mean, uh, this is another thing. I'm plant based. I don't eat meat, uh, and I've actually gained weight. I was doing so much keto, I was like constantly digested. You've but gained weight on this plant based diet. I know, diet? Oh, I know, because I eat. I the eat, Eric I, Adams I, diet. I'm, yeah, I'm like Eric <laughs> Adams, and I actually like Eric Adams because like people are getting mad at him. Like the vegans are like, you eat something with egg in it, and he. And I don't like Eric Adams at all. I really liked Curtis Sliwa, but he did Eric Adams. I had to agree with him on this thing. I don't do it to virtue signal. It just, and I'm I'm such an animal lover. When I stopped eating meat, my mm. digestion changed. But my favorite comfort food, dude, I eat freaking cheese pizza like crazy. So that's the dairy. I mean, I eat cheese pizza, and really, I mean, McDonald's French fries is oh, I mean, I I was talking about that. Like I go and get McDonald's now without the meat, without the meat patty, and I still I'll eat a Big Mac with no meat. So like <laughs> McDonald's and uh, and uh, uh, pizza is my comfort food. But Eric Adams made a good point. He, like some vegans are getting mad at him. They're like. You ate a cake that was made with an egg. And so, I, like I said, like I eat stuff that has egg in it. I'm not, you know, some crazy person. Like I have cats and dogs. They eat meat every day. I cook meat for my dog sometimes, you know? So I'm not like this virtue mm -hmm. signaler. And you got to feed cats meat. That, a that's, chicken didn't die by uh, yeah, laying I mean, an egg? I mean, I just, for me, I almost did it too. This is another thing because I'm conspiratorial. So like they say, you know, that uh, Hillary Clinton drinks the blood of children. They call it adrenalized blood from children, adrenochrome. And now maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I wouldn't they, put anything past I her. I wouldn't put it past <laughs> her. I'm just going to leave that out. Um, but that's what they say is when these cows oh, no. are factory farmed and they see their friends die, their blood gets adrenalized. So you're kind of eating 
the adrenalized blood of the cow or the chicken. So for me, oh I, I know that's weird, but for me, I'm like all about vibrational energy. So for me, it's just kind of like, um, I'm, I'm just like a high, vibrating at a higher energy, not eating meat and trying to eat a lot of freaking, uh, you know, potatoes and rice. And I don't miss meat at all, to be mm. honest. Wow. Okay. Uh, um, I think I do know the biggest turning point in your life. Yeah, my mom dying. Yeah. But you know, really and truly, like that, that like just you know pumped me up to to like it keep me going. But the biggest turning point was because my mom was my biggest fan. It had to be when Cheaters didn't put me as a host. I know that's weird because huh. that that's because when I started creating content, you know, and my mom loved my content. So like her dying obviously was like the biggest like moment or you know the worst thing that ever happened to me. But like the biggest turning point where my life turned, where I was just creating content for other people. I wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have not got that job. I probably would have still been working there, and I just would have never gone on my own. So that was the depending on someone else for a paycheck. Yeah, I mean that was the biggest turning point, and that, that's why like losing my mom was so hard. She was my number one fan, and my dad is, is my fan, but he didn't watch any of my shows. My mom watched every stream, every video. My mom's the same way. Man. I mean everything. She, and then she would complain. Oh gosh, I miss her being like, Oh Alex, why did you eat on your stream? Or you know, <laughs> why did you do this? Like eating a candy bar or something? And I mean, God, I would do anything to hear her complain. God today. bless our moms, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, so have you crossed paths with any, uh, celebrities or famous people that you'd care to share the story with anybody that made an impression, whether positive or negative on you? Okay, real quick. I wanted to tell this story. It's kind of a long winded story. So I was on this show called <laughs> worst cooks in America on the food network. Okay. And it's, it's a show with Bobby Flay and Ann Burrell and they break, they get bad cooks and they try to teach you to be good cooks. And it's like this competition. It's a long story, but basically I got kicked off the show earlier than I should have because I said this stupid comment. This girl was like competing against me. I was like, you know, my character, not a character. I mean, it's a reality show, but it's still kind of, you know, you kind of have a shtick. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm just wild in the kitchen. I don't know how to cook. I'm just like this crazy idiot just got out of a young man. And this other girl, her story is like, oh, I have an eating disorder and I just need to learn how to cook and make recipes to kind of, you know, for my health. And so her and I were both on the chopping block, and she was definitely going to go home, but I just opened my fat mouth like, why should, Bobby Flay's like, why should you stay on the show? I was like, well, obviously, I have a much closer relationship to food than her. And immediately, he's like, oh, you're gone, because, you know, it's like, I was like, <laughs> picking on her eating disorder. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have just, I should, should have just talked about myself. I don't know why I said that. So I was all butthurt about it. Oh. The Times picking you in the, the New Orleans newspaper, because I went to LSU, they interviewed me. And this is before the show came out. I was just like, yeah, Bobby Flay's nice, but, you know, he likes women more than men. And so then the Food Network sends me, like, a cease and desist. So, like, you know, do not say anything bad about the host because it kind of gives away that you didn't win, right? Oh, okay. So they had a point. They had a point. And I was like, all right, I won't do any more interviews. I won't say that. I apologize, you know. And they're like, why would you say something bad about Bobby Flay? And I was like, I'm mad. They kind of knew I was mad. Mm -hmm. Then fast forward, like, the show comes out. It's like a year and a half later, maybe a little less than right at a year. Freaking, um, um, my dad calls me, come come up to North Park Mall right now. I'm like, what? What's going on at North Park Mall? He's like, just get up here. Oh, wow. I go to North Park Mall. There's this line out the door of Williams-Sonoma, and it's Bobby Flay's doing an autograph session. And I didn't know. And, I, and my dad's like, yeah, Bobby Flay's here. I want you to introduce me to Bobby Flay. I want you to introduce me to Bobby Flay. I'm like, oh, gosh, Bobby Flay's going to act like he doesn't know me. He's oh, going to no. be, this is going to be bad. I'm going to walk in there with my dad. How long had it been from the taping to the? It's moment? been about a year, maybe a little over a year. And, and the show had already aired? The show had already okay. aired, yeah. And now it's on Netflix. If anybody listening wants to watch it, you can find The Worst Cooks. I think it's season three <laughs> or four. I forget which one. But um, so I walk in there. I'm like kind of nervous. I'm like, oh, he's going to act like he doesn't even know who I am. 
Dude, when I tell you he couldn't have been any nicer, took a photo with my dad and I and made me oh, feel so wow. small and little. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's this is what professionalism is. Like when you're wow. like Bobby Flay, he doesn't care about a guy that got kicked off a show, even if I said something bad about him. So I guess that was my that was like my yeah. Hollywood moment that you realize that I learned like, you know, you just gotta if a real big person, you don't get affected. What is it? A wolf doesn't get affected by the thoughts of sheep or something, you know? I mean, <laughs> I like seriously, that. Yeah. that that is just how it works, uh, you know? And, and that, that shows me, too, like, you got to be nice to everybody. Even if somebody does something bad to you, you can actually, uh, you can actually get to them more by yeah. being nice to them yeah. than by being mean to them. That's a good point. I like that a lot. If you could go back in history, eat somebody, who would it be? Meet somebody in history. You get to you get to go hang out with them at a bar for a night. Osama bin Laden. The reason why, because I'm a 9/11 truther, and so Osama bin Laden was a CIA asset. You can watch a movie called uh, Charlie Wilson's War about how the government funded the Mujahideen, and uh, we actually gave them weapons to fight with Russia. And then Osama bin Laden, through the media, became like the worst terrorist in the world. So I'd like just like to get his point of view on what his connection with, if he really, you know, this is what they say that he's a CIA agent. I'd be like, you know, I'd just like to talk to him and get his side of the story. <laughs> that's interesting. I, that's a movie I need to see. Yeah, you need Charlie, Charlie Wilson's, Wilson's War. War. Yeah, yeah, we'll just look it up. This is all declassified, though, in the it's 70s been referenced, and 80s. Uh, in my world multiple you need, times. You need to go so see shame it. on me. Yeah. yeah, we gave them, we gave them Mujahideen. Now, so I do know we, that. We created Al-Qaeda. I do know that. So, I mean, that's what they call it, Al-Qaeda. So you're like, well, <laughs> why would you want to talk to Osama bin Laden? I'm not saying Osama bin Laden's a good guy. He's a bad right. guy. I'm just saying. You want to know. It's kind of like how people are like, oh, I would talk to Hitler. I don't want to talk to Hitler. I would actually kind of want to see Osama bin Laden's side so, of the story. if you're a 9-11 truther, you don't doubt that planes hit the building. I think planes hit the building, but I personally, when there's the Israeli art students that lived on the 93rd floor, which is kind of weird, like in the place where the highest rate in the world, they let these art students live for free, and they did a thing called uh, um, the B thing, which is their project where they took out a glass plane and they put out a wooden uh, balcony, and they had they paid a helicopter to come and take pictures. It's just a very a lot of weird stuff. And then you, I am not familiar with that at all. Wow, you need to watch Loose Change. Is that, uh, is that in Charlie Wilson's War as well? No, that's no, not okay. in that. And then you also look at Tower Seven, which is a forty-seven story building that would have been the mm -hmm. tallest uh, building in over thirty states. It was the first steel structure building to fall from office fires. So there's just a lot of weird stuff. And then you look <laughs> at a guy like Larry Silverstein. He made $7.4 billion. He made twice the insurance uh, uh, payout because it was a double attack. So I just feel like they were patsies. I don't know. I, Let I, me uh, say this. Let me say this. In the 20-plus years since 9-11 happened, the United States federal government has given no reason to me to think they have any credibility. So... Perhaps I should go back and reacquaint myself you, you with what happened it. on September 11, 2001. And, and all you got to do is this. It's just official story. Two things. You look at the 9-11 commission report. There's 28 pages redacted. Like So they can't even give us the real commission report. Mm. And then this is Fair forget point. about conspiracy yeah. hat. Forget about tinfoil hat. Okay. Condoleezza Rice and George Bush both said that they got prior knowledge from the FBI and CIA that they were planning that, the, that Al-Qaeda was planning to attack of buildings in America, and they disregarded it. That's that's what they said. That's what they both said. And so if you just believe that, then they're insubordinate. They were not protecting our country. You know, if they had prior knowledge and they didn't protect our, our country, that, in my mind, is an inside job. So, you know, mm. you know, they, they say, oh, well, we just made a mistake. And then the follow-up would be, then, Alex, why would they let that happen? 
Oh, it's very simple. You look at the Patriot Act that gives you warrantless search and seizure of our phone and emails that was signed. And that was actually part of what they call the PNAC, Project for a New American Century. And one of the authors of that was a guy named Joe Biden, who happens to be our president now. And what, what it also did is it pumped up a 20-year war in the Middle East that pumped up the military-industrial complex. And then if you look at a guy named Pat Tillman, who was one of the mm-hmm. was an excellent football player who died by friendly fire. That was so if you if you talk to his wife, he was sending his wife letters about how the, the there was no clear agenda for the war and that, you know, they didn't know he had no idea what they were doing there. And he was supposedly gonna come do an interview, I forget with who he was gonna do, but he died right before he was about to leave the service. This is, you know, conspiracy that he was he died by friendly fire. That's not a conspiracy. Right. And it was friendly fire during a training session. It wasn't during combat, uh, which I think is very highly unlikely because if you see movies like Saving Private Ryan and stuff, if you have some sort of um, famous soldier, I mean, Elvis Presley didn't, when he went and fought in the war, he didn't die of friendly fire. You would take extra care of a guy like Pat Tillman and for him to die by the gun of his own serviceman. And he and, and he had enough time to scream at them that, hey, you're shooting at me. What are you doing? Well, yeah, he did not, and he didn't. He, and then also look at the Afghanistan war. There's a thing called the Baki Boys, where rich Afghanistan or have men that they sexually molest or they, they would have sex with. They're like, look it up, the Baki Boys. And our soldiers, this is part of it. They weren't on the agenda, so they would let that go. For If our allies were doing that to children, the the our military wouldn't do anything about it. So if you just look at what happened in the Middle East and then look at how we left there, people like flying off airplanes, it is a disaster. We didn't gain anything from it. And it's the same people that told you they had weapons of mass destruction, constantly weapons of mass destruction. They didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. So if they're going to sit there and lie to us about that, they'll lie to us about other stuff. What's your most embarrassing moment in your life? Anything that jumps oh, out? I mean, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of embarrassing stuff. It's just kind of hard. This, this. Hard. I mean, dude, I can just think and cringe about a lot of stuff. But I'm have just, you ever had a bit? Uh, you know, something that one of these city yeah, council I mean, members go bad. That that fails, and like I've bombed at a comedy club. But that's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's embarrassing. But I'm trying to think. Like the most embarrassing is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I remember. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's Any hard. Any date horror oh, stories? Oh, I mean, yeah. I got. I got. I, it's probably the most embarrassed was it was outside of a bar. I got punched and, and knocked out uh, uh, by a, some guy. You know, I was drinking at a bar at LSU, and I got in an argument with a guy, and he punched me and knocked me right out. Oh, so that no. was probably the most embarrassed because the next day he, I didn't get a black eye or anything, but like everybody's like, "You got your ass kicked," and I was like, "Any, no, no, no. any cell phone footage of this?" No, no. This is all. <laughs> this is like the camera phones are like half a megapixel back then. But yeah, yes. probably getting punched in the face and knocked out mm-hmm. drunk at a bar is my most embarrassing moment. Any regrets? But I've had other embarrassing. I just can't mm-hmm. think of it. Sure, sure. Any regrets uh, you care to share with us? Yeah, I mean, everybody has a lot of regrets. I mean, I don't want to get all low vibration by my mom. I should have taken her to the medical city hospital. That's my biggest regret in my life, letting her go to Baylor. Uh, oh. I, I just took her to the wrong hospital. But that, other than that, I mean, yeah, I mean. You can't be. They, well, they, well, and, and I'm still, I know, I, I know I shouldn't. But this is another thing. And I don't like Dan Bilzerian, really. I think he's terrible. Who's that? Dan Bilzerian. He's like the rich guy. Hmm. You know, he's like has a bunch of Instagram, you know, nude women on. Well, you should look him up. He's kind of funny. But he's been on Joe Rogan. But he said, he's talking about regrets. And he talks about like this ancient Chinese proverb. And it's like this guy, this Chinese like farmer. It's like his horse ran away. And everybody in the town is like, oh, man, this is so sad. Your horse ran away. Like your main thing. He's like, maybe. Then the next day, like seven horses uh, came back seven wild horses with his horse and then everybody in the town was like oh man congratulations now you have seven horses you know you have a lot more than you started with and he's like maybe 
Then his son is tending, the next day his son is tending to the horses, and, and one of the horses tramples his son's leg and like destroys his son's leg and breaks it in multiple places. Oh. And everybody's like, oh man, this is so sorry, I'm so sorry about your son. And, you know, this is so terrible. And the Chinese farmer goes, maybe. And then the next day, the conscription service comes around drafting kids, and they bypass his son because he has a broken leg. And everybody in the town's like, oh, man, you know, you're so lucky that, you know, he didn't get drafted. And then the Chinese farmer's like, maybe. And so I guess the point of the story is, is like, you don't know what's bad or good until you have perspective of the situation. That's a, so maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe, exactly. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So like, like something, that. Like something that, that seems so terrible, you know, it might not be that terrible a year from now. Like me when I didn't get the host of Cheaters, I, that yeah. was so terrible. And then now I'm, I'm, you know, dude, I'm having success on my own. Sure. And, I don't have, and there's nobody in between the means of my production. So it's like, uh, you know, I thought it was bad then. Now is a blessing. I like it a lot. Um, anything on your bucket list you want to accomplish in your lifetime that you're like, I have to do this or... I mean, my, my dream, I want to be like a red pill Jay Leno. So, I mean, if my bucket list, I want to have, you know, like a real talk show um, like that. I mean, huh. and, I mean, and other than that, I want to, I, I don't have Will any. Will you do like a stand up at the start of the show and then you sit here and interview people about stuff? Exactly. Yeah. And then like man on the street. I used you to love do that. I used to, oh, I will do that. When Jay Leno, I used to love when he did man on the street stuff. Like he yeah. would actually go do it like at City Walk or wherever he would in LA. So I just, you know, kind of want to, yeah. that's like. My bucket list dream, um, but before I guess and I like, like that. By the way, that attitude. I will do that. No, yeah, I yeah. can do that. I will. I no, love no, that. I will. Yes. And I, and I'm like, what other bucket list? I mean, I want to have a family, but I'm actually not in a hurry to have a family. I'm really, I'm kind of nervous of getting married. My parents got married to each other, and then divorced each other, and they got married to other people and divorced. So it's like mm. I'm kind of like jaded when it comes to sure. getting married. But yeah, I need to start a family before I kick the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it'll happen when you're not looking. That's when it happens. I've, I've had a lot of opportunities. I'm just so scared of marriage. Mm. I probably had three relationships in my last three long-term relationships, all in because I didn't want to so, propose. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that an Alex issue? Or? Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably a little Alex issue, yeah. Okay. I, got, I got mom issues maybe. I don't know. Oh. Not before she died, but even while she was alive. I just, I don't know. I just, huh. it's just, I'm just, I date a lot of girls. I like dating, but I can't, I'm... The idea of marriage to me is just... Eh. So after you determine that fill-in-the-blank girl is not the one for you, how soon after do you break it off? No, I stay with a girl. I don't even even worry. Yeah, I'm not even worried about that. That's not even a motivation factor. I mean, if if we're we're friends... Like, the first and foremost thing is being friendly with each other. So if I can... can, And that's also a problem is you almost become too much of friends and, you know, a girl doesn't want to just be besties. Like... You know, I understand. Um, anything uh, of interest in your Amazon cart currently? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm an animal nut. So, <laughs> so the only thing I have on subscription is, um, you know, I have kitty treats. The freaking uh, wait, what does your duplex smell like? Oh, like crap, dude! Oh my gosh, the litter box people complain. Maybe like, that's your issue with the women. Maybe they're no, coming over. No, and they're like, what is this? Dude, actually, the last girl I dated, <laughs> she'd bring her cat over all the time. She was actually really chill. I usually date oh. animal people. My house is crazy if you're not an animal lover. But if you love animals, it's not that bad. It's not that gross, you know. I'm I mean, yeah, I feel- my house didn't smell that bad. I mean, if I clean the litter box and I, you know, vacuum, it's not going to be, yes, but like right now, if I walk in okay. right now, it's going to be a little cat smelly, you know. It's a little cat smelly. Okay, so where's the best place people need to go to find you online? 
I mean, guys, if you can't find me, you're not looking. I mean, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I mean, I have a Facebook page. Is but... it Alex Stein 99 everywhere? Well, no. That's another thing. See? My buddy's saying, yeah, it should be the same. But it's Alex Stein 99 on Twitter, and it's Primetime Stein on Instagram and uh, YouTube. It's Alex Stein. So you guys, if, but if you okay, can't. Okay, so what if you did this? I got a suggestion for you. What if you went and bought a, a domain uh, just with your name and you put all the links there yeah i got it i mean i have a link tree i think it's a oh. link oh yeah, yeah that's right link yeah. tree i've heard of that yeah yeah, yeah i got I've a link that. tree with all of it but like okay. i said guys if you can't find me you're not you're looking not very looking hard, hard i'm i'm there i'm there i promise okay hang on a second before we hang up here let me uh let me just check something for you here check yeah. it out you're gonna appreciate this later i'm sure okay here we go um ooh, well alex stein 99 is uh somebody bought that and they want to sell it to you for 70 bucks. They want to uh, sell. I, sh I could buy that one. I think I have alexstein.live. Okay, hold on. I'm going to try. And I have conspiracycastle.live. I have a couple. Oh, okay. See? All right. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I have a freaking, I have a website, but I, I need to, I need to. Well, somebody bought Primetime Alex Stein as well for 70 bucks. They want to sell it. And they bought Primetime Alex Stein 99 want to sell it to you for 70 bucks. Well, somebody just, is playing games with you right now. I don't, I don't appreciate that. I'm actually mad. Uh, I'm mad for you. No, I'm actually mad that it's only worth 70 bucks, guys. Come on, raise the price. I'm primetime 99, dude. I need it. This should be $70,000. Primetime Alex Stein 99. On the grind all the time. There it is. There it is. Thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate it, buddy. Oh, my pleasure. We'll do it again sometime, Keith. Thank you. Cool. Well, I appreciate Alex taking time out of his very busy schedule to chat with us here on At The Mic. Next week, we're going to sit down with comedian and YouTube personality, Chrissy Mayer. She tells us about her recent worldview sea change, and she's got some hilarious experiences that she's had along the way that she will share with us. I hope you will make time. Uh, Chrissy Mayer, uh, a very fun guest coming up next week here on At The Mic. Until then, I hope that you'll take a moment, rate and review this podcast. Please give it five stars over at Apple iTunes or Spotify. Feel free to drop us a note through the website at themikeshow.com. And please do share that link with any friends or family who would like to hear some good conversations in their life. And above all else, I hope until next time, you will please go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.